0: You do you. Let TrueGreen do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I
1: could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today. It's Aaron here. For this week, instead of a full episode, I'd like to share with you an exclusive preview of a brand new 48 Hours Investigation that I've been working on. It's called The Case Against Michael Polite, and it will premiere this Saturday evening at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, on CBS. Hope I see you there. Tell me about December 4th, 1998. Do you remember that evening? Vividly.
1: Yeah.
0: On December 5th, 1998, 40-year-old Rita Pulit was murdered. She was attacked inside her own home in rural Missouri. Her body set on fire. There were two other people in the home that night, a 15-year-old neighbor, Josh Sansasi, and Rita's 14-year-old son, Michael Polite. This is Michael. What happened? What's the next thing you remember after you went to bed? The
1: next thing I remember, I, I woke up and I see a, a light haze in my room. And I leaned over to Josh and you know, I asked him, you know, I said, man, are you smoking a cigarette? And he said, no. And I threw blankets off of me and I went to my door and I opened my door and it was like a wall of white smoke.
0: What went through your mind?
1: My house is on fire. Yeah,
0: so, you know, it's. What are you uh, feeling at that moment, panic, Michael? Panic. I'm Aaron Moriarty, 48 hours, and this is my life of crime. The full story of what happened in that early morning, even after 24 years, is a mystery. But one thing is certain Michael Polite's life has never been the same. Here's how Michael remembers the terrible moments after he and Josh, a friend who had spent the night, woke up in a home on fire.
1: We ran out of the room. I couldn't see the phone. Uh, As we're running out of the room, I have, like my mom's room is, her bedroom door is facing me if I'm coming out of the hallway to my room. And I can see the glow, an orange glow in that area. And as we rounded into the living room to go into the foyer, and when we're in the foyer, I, I can see my mom's truck through the, the screen door.
0: And what did that say to you? It just told me my mom was still here. The fire seemed to be coming from his mother's room, and Michael, who had seen her truck outside, says he knew she still had to be in the house.
1: When I called out to her three or four times, and I didn't get no answer,
0: Michael, what are you feeling at this point?
1: Panic. Fear. Uh, I, I took off towards her room, but by the time, you know, I've, I've done been breathing the smoke for a few minutes now, and I'm starting to choke, and my eyes are, are burning, and I had to run back out of the house. We're talking seconds. I mean, we're talking like this is happening. This is all happening really, really fast. So when I, as soon as I run to the house, like I see the water hose, I tell Josh to turn it on, I grab it and I, and I run back into the house and to see what I could see, and I seen her laying, and I seen her legs. I seen blood on her legs, and she was on fire from the waist up. And I turn the water hose on, I don't know how long I sat there. It could have been minutes, it could have been seconds, I don't know.
0: How close were you, Michael? Close. What could you hear?
1: Cracking of the fire. And it looked like it looked like it was just her. It's just really, it didn't look like there was anything else on fire. It just looked like it was her.
0: Was she moving? Could you tell?
1: She wasn't moving. I remember. I remember when I turned the water hose on. I remember. <laughs> it's so vivid to me. I could see the water droplets running down her leg.
0: When did you realize your mom was dead?
1: That moment? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What was going through your mind?
1: Fear. I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do.
0: Imagine being 14 years old and seeing what Michael saw. How would you describe the scene of what you saw that morning? It was
1: horrific. It was... The individual that did that to my mother hated her with everything inside of him. It was hateful, it was, it was, it was, evil. It was horrific. Yeah, it's, you know, I live with it every day. I can still hear it sometimes. I can still smell, I can still smell what I smelled that morning in my pillow at night
0: sometimes, you know. So what I'm about to tell you may surprise you. Michael didn't just lose his mother that morning. Michael Pulley became the main suspect in his mother's murder. Did you realize that the police were wondering whether you were the one who killed your mom, even that early, when they put you in the patrol car?
1: Never once did I think I was in trouble for anything. I didn't do anything. So I never thought I was in trouble for anything.
0: Both Michael and his friend Josh Sonsasi were taken to the sheriff's office and questioned for hours. Your mom did fight her attacker. Did you have any injuries? No. On your body? No,
1: none.
0: Did investigators find any blood on your clothing? None, no. Did they find any blood in your room? No. In your closet? No. Were investigators able to find the weapon that killed your mom? No. What does that say?
1: said I'm innocent.
0: So why didn't investigators believe
1: that? I wish you'd ask them that question.
0: I mean, let's be honest, Michael, you look like a pretty good suspect. You were a person who loved to set fires. You had had arguments with your mother. You were having trouble in school.
1: But none of that suggests anything about murder.
0: Michael was a troubled teenager. He admits it but he blames a lot of it on his life back then. He was the youngest of three children and caught in the middle of the conflicts between his mother, Rita, and father, Edward Polite. For example, in July of 1997, the year before Rita's murder, there was an incident where police were called. Michael says he and his mother had then moved into an apartment after his father started seeing another woman. They had returned to the family's home to pick up some of their clothing.
1: And she told me to go to my room, get some of my stuff. So I did. And uh, I, remember, I remember specifically, she was, she was wanting a sunflower clock that was on a, on, hanging on, a, on
0: the dining room wall. And he wouldn't give it to her. They'd start arguing. It got louder and louder. According to a police report, Michael told an officer that his dad had pushed his mom to the floor and choked her.
1: As I'm gathering up my stuff, putting it in a book bag, I, I started hearing thumps. So I grabbed a, a blue and white T-ball bat that was in my room. I ran out of my room, and I seen him on top of her, choking her on the living room floor. And I told him to get off of her, and he did.
0: Both his mother and father blamed the other. But in the police report filed after the incident, an officer noted Rita had a swollen lip. A year later, the couple divorced. Michael ultimately chose his mother over his father.
1: You know, I'm sure he sure hates me as much as he hated her. I mean, I,
0: I sided with her. Edward Polite was ordered to pay spousal and child support, and he was not happy about it. Just days after the divorce was finalized, Rita was murdered. Who did you think had killed your mother? I mean, what went through your mind? You had to be thinking, somebody killed your mom. Who was that?
1: I thought it was Edward.
0: You thought it was your dad?
1: He's the only person I know that hates you that much to do that to her. That's evil. What i seen was hatred and evil. That's what that was.
0: But police did interview Edward Polite after the murder. He had an alibi. He was home, more than 80 miles away at the time of the murder, Investigators also questioned Michael. When they asked you to take a voice stress test, do you remember that? Did you know what one was? No. Just hours after his mother's murder, Michael was asked to take a voice analysis stress test. It's such a controversial test that the results are inadmissible in court, but some cops still believe that it can reveal if a person is lying. And how did they ask you? What did they say to you?
1: They asked me if I murdered my mother. They asked me if Josh murdered my mother. They asked me if I was involved with the murder of my mother. And they asked me if I knew who murdered my mother. And I answered no to all questions. And then they told me that I failed.
0: What was your reaction when they told you that?
1: Unbelievable. Um, it It was those moments where I started to, I started to understand that that, that, that after that, that you know they would tell me that I murdered my mother
0: Michael Philippet said then, and has always said he had nothing to do with killing his mother
1: and I did just as I did sitting in this in his interview it's never changed and you know my my story has always been consistent because it's the truth that's that, that is what, it is what it is that's that's it and you know after. After each time of telling the facts, they tell me I was lying that I murdered my
0: mother. Just days later, Michael Polite was arrested for his mother's murder and was eventually convicted. Since then, new evidence has come to light that raises serious questions about his guilt. You can hear and see more about this case on 48 Hours This Week. It airs on CBS on Saturday, November 26, and can be streamed after that date on Paramount+. Plus.
1: Let me ask you a question. What 14-year-old kid could commit a crime that violent, that vicious, and not leave any any forensic evidence behind whatsoever?
0: That's not possible, right? I'm Erin Moriarty, and this is my life of crime. This podcast series is developed by 48 Hours in partnership with CBS News Radio. Judy Tigart is 48 Hours Executive Producer. Steve Dorsey is CBS News Radio Executive Producer. Production and editing for this season of My Life of Crime by Alan Pang. This episode was also produced by Lourdes Aguiar, Stephanie Slifer, and Emily Wichick of 48 Hours. Craig Swagler is vice president and general manager of CBS News Radio. And finally, a thank you to all of you, our listeners. We owe it all to you, the millions of 48 Hours fans. Don't forget to join me online. I'm at EF Moriarty on Twitter, and we're at 48 Hours on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.